0: In the morning, when you need the news that matters most,
1: they can kiss my f-ing ass right downtown and print it.
0: You need the front page.
1: All these mother f-ing editorials
0: on the press box.
1: They're really, really behind you around here. My f-ing ass.
0: With Granny and Bischoff.
1: Rip them mother. F-ers. Rip them touching suckers like the f-ing players.
2: Padres lost to the Giants last night. Oh, God. Here is a tweet from Dennis Lynn. The Padres have gone 0-5 on this road trip while being outscored 31-6. They are 8-21 since August 10th. They have to go at least 8-10 to finish above 500. And they're only a game out of the second wild card. <laughs> they're chasing the Cardinals for the first time in like five months, someone said. The Padres have fallen apart. Are horrible like it's incredible how bad this was when we were early in the year we were talking about what well, the three best teams in the National yeah. League are all in the same division and now the Padres have what the eighth best record in the national League I will say that the Mets have also imploded that True. I feel like was a little more expected <laughs> you know what was ex- you know it
0: was expected and it's just they're gonna look back and they don't have many opportunities to do this. But the wild second wild card, they still might do it, but the second wild card was there for the Reds. Now they're losing to Pittsburgh. I mean, that's a team that wasn't Yikes. probably supposed to get there. And what if they lost six straight? I mean, no one wants that spot. Yeah. They just, just... So, and I still think the Cardinals are gonna win because 'cause they're because of their veterans and not gonna mess up, but man, the Reds yesterday. I looked at this red score, I said, Oh, they can pick up a game down 6-0 to Pittsburgh. I'm like, what are they what's going on?
2: So the Cardinals have jumped into the second wild card yeah. in the national league. The Reds, Padres, and Phillies are all three and seven in the last 10 games. All three of them. Any one of those three teams could have, like, run away. Oh, it
0: could have been a four or five
2: games and it would have been over. If any one of those teams had gone on, like, an eight and two run or something, they'd be running away with the second wild card spot. The
0: the Mariners, the Royals, and the Cubs are randomly just like,
2: let's win some games. Now that we're eliminated, let's go ahead and just be. Hey, hey, the Mariners. They're still in it. They are. They're only three. I mean, they're three out of the wild card, but they're Toronto probably keep, Toronto keeps winning. Yeah, they're probably not going to get there, but they're only three out of the wild card. I'm
0: not. I thought they were ahead of the A's. I thought they were eliminated in July. They're ahead of no, the they're, A's. They're ahead of the A's. Yeah. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to. You will not hear me use it as an excuse because I think the Giants have been tremendous, and if they win that division, they completely deserve it. But it is amazing, and look, the Dodgers are getting some of this too because of the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Man, these teams—the Rockies—they are just rolling over. I mean, the Giants must be up five to one in the second inning of every one of their games. It's amazing. And look, Dodgers are getting a lot of that too. They got the Padres, Diamondbacks—they're all rolling over. But like Jared said, man, when you're eliminated—and that's the thing—about the Padres, they're not even—they're a game out of the second wild card. Why are they like this? What happened to them?
2: Well, the Astros got shut out by the Texas Rangers starting pitcher who had the highest ERA in baseball going into their start last night.
0: Jeez.
2: One day after the Astros scored 15 runs. Yes, exactly. They were tired. <laughs> the bats were tired. Man, you know, that's a great question. Eric Biennemi is a candidate for the USC head coaching job, according to Adam Schefter. Dan Patrick, by the way, reported this morning that James Franklin and USC have a mutual interest. But on enemy he's been the offensive coordinator for Kansas City for a while. It's been, what, three straight off seasons of is anybody going to hire this guy who's in charge of one of the best offenses the NFL's seen? And he hasn't gotten hired as a head coach anywhere? You think he takes the step down to college oh. to coach USC?
0: LA guy, he'd take that job. He'd take that job. I don't know if he's going to be offered it, but he would take that job in a second.
2: I would take oh, yeah. it, too. I would
0: take it in a second. Yeah. If you're the head coach at SC, yeah. yeah. So, I mean obviously I mean, the NFL for whatever reason he's interviewed for he he's interviewed for so many jobs last year I think he said I'm done on the interview process <laughs> I've been through the process I know what you're going to ask me he's interviewed for so many jobs I would be done if I was him too keep interviewing for these jobs when it's not going to happen for whatever reason cuz I do think he should have had a job by now so if SC offers him a job he can go home to LA I'd be gone uh, the the best uh the best reason that I heard that he wouldn't get hired is a uh he got what arrested in 1992 like literally like uh, over two decades ago yeah that's like um who was who got the Portland job uh Chauncey, yeah. Billups. Chauncey Billups yeah
2: and yeah, that was in like 98 or yeah. 99 too so yeah, yeah. but now nah, you can't hire that guy he yeah. got arrested in 1992. Yeah. if he take if he ends up becoming the USC head coach when does he leave Kansas City to take that job officially Super Bowl Great question because he, they, if he if they go to the Super Bowl and he misses and he stays he misses great recruiting.
0: question
2: wow that was new
0: yeah. have you heard that one before I think so you oh, played okay. that before right Jeremy? yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I played it very well, quietly whenever guests I mean, have said that's a great question let's say let's say uh, James Franklin is on it is in on it he's not leaving till the end of his season right which is bowl well, season.
2: If you're a co- if you're oh, James well. Franklin,
0: you can leave after the regular season. Screw Isn't it one of those game. things where they say we're staying till the end and we're recruit we're working both jobs as it goes along? Yeah. That happens
2: a lot. Yes. Like I'm working both jobs I'm recruiting. and recruiting. It usually happens at the college level. At the NFL, like if if the Chiefs make a playoff run to the first week of February, the enemy will miss the December recruiting period and the majority of the February, the leading up to Go the to February. February recruiting one. Like that's I don't think you can do that if you're going to be the head coach at USC.
0: Well, the good thing in Kansas City is the head coach knows a little about offense, so he could he could probably do okay. He'd Mahomes will right. figure it out. Yeah. Is that, well, I I shouldn't have even said coach. I just said the good thing about Kansas City is there a guy
2: who is a guy who knows more about offense than anyone, he's the quarterback.
0: Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron.
2: The Saints have had eight people test positive for COVID. Six of them are coaches, one is a nutritionist, only one player has tested positive. <laughs> For COVID, what's so, wrong with that list? <laughs> I'm sorry, the nutritionist. That's right, get the nutritionist the hell out of there. Exactly, um, you can bounce that guy immediately. So it's a straight like that's definitely an outbreak. A real job, because eight positive tests in like one or two days is pretty significant. But only one of them's a player, and makes you think, okay, coach on Zoom or something. Like I don't know, figure it out without the coaches. So it's like it's an outbreak. Six coaches is a lot. It is. That's and, a lot. And I think the report from Adam chapter was they
0: are all offensive coaches as well. Well, they might not need them. Did you see the first game? Like but Jameis. Jameis just coaches the team and says, let's go. <laughs> Sean Payton got this. Had it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't understand how you... I mean, when, when Gruden got it, he basically went, I had this. We're taking this seriously. Let's crush this virus. Apparently, Sean Payton got it was like... It's fine. Well, what was it's the, the uh, flu? What was <laughs> that old story about Rich Versace when Gruden had it? What was it? It's like <laughs> uh, it, it got overheard and, and then they wanted up. to like kind of cover it up, and then someone had to finally admit no, he has it. That was very strange. Got, That's he, in next week. The following week, we had the t shirts,
2: yeah. No, because Versace, <laughs> the the original story they're in a zoom, right? Was that Rich Versace, the special teams coach. Mm-hmm. Was, was joking like called a zoom and like pulled a prank right. on the players and was like yeah guys john yeah. gruden got covid he's in the hospital gotcha. <laughs> gotcha it was all a joke but then we find out later john gruden actually did test positive for covid around the same time that vasachi apparently pulled that prank and it stunk for them because right when he said that 10 of those guys logged off to get over to the hospital
0: to see john and they didn't really know it was a joke they showed up at the hospital like what are you doing well, you know there's an outbreak there's a pandemic why are you people here I still have the T-shirt. Can't wear it. Unbiased journalism, but I did. Be, I was given a T-shirt. I, it's in the drawer of my son. What, what, hold on. Wait. What What size is it? Uh, it's big. It's really big. My son. That that would work for us. We should give that away uh, next time. Oh, Na- that, oh, would,
2: when
1: that find could be the, the next giveaway.
0: Yeah, when Find the Sharp comes back.
2: Absolutely.
1: Great question. Oh, Thank much. you.
2: Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show that his first interception against the Saints was due to a double nut shot. <laughs>
0: I took one of those on a softball uh, game one time. Oh boy! Single nuts bad. When, double nuts not a good, not a good. When shot. you were coaching? Yes. What a foul ball got lined to the dugout? I told you this sitting on the bus. Oh, giving that's signs, right. That's right. That was yep, a double. Yep, yep. That was a double. Oh, Singles boy. bad. Doubles really bad. Oh boy!
2: So <laughs> the way Aaron Rodgers described it is two different guys with their fist. Punched him. Wow! In the nuts, right as I mean, he I mean, I know crazy thing happens, but man, they're down there punching there, huh? And he threw behind Devonte Adams by like five <laughs> yards. Like Devontae Adams was wide open, and he threw it behind him by like five yards. And we everybody's kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah. No,
0: that's <laughs> well, he's coming
2: up, and Lafleur's like, you, what are you doing? Double nut shot,
0: okay? Yeah, I got you, all right. Because like it was, whoa, ho, oh, yeah, no, dude,
2: <laughs> go sit down. Yeah. This kind of understandable. Even bad Aaron Rodgers, it was a wide open receiver, and he missed him by like five or six yards. You'd be like, huh. That's well, not, what happened there. Okay. He got hit Is the nuts he twice. trying to do this? <laughs> and by the way, if I remember correctly, I think the Packers were down 14 to three at that time. And, and that was one in the red zone. Uh-huh. And like had, uh-huh. if, they, if they score a touchdown on that, it's 14 to 10 and they probably actually stay in the game rather than get blown out 38 to three. So punch the quarterback in the nuts. So and change the, the game. That's the uh, message here. Yeah. Let's go. Cleveland Furl. You want to play some more? <laughs> Start punching ben Roethlisberger. ben Roethlisberger, and he's an older guy. He'll go down. You only have to do a single nut on him.
0: He's pretty old that guy. You go single nut on him, he might go down.
2: That's a great, great question. Right? The
0: older you are, come on, give, you know, give him a little tug. <laughs> you don't know? I mean, you, Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers is a young guy, but he seems to be in a lot better shape than Ben Roethlisberger.
2: I look forward to hearing for the next six months either. The older you are, you just need a single tug, or the older you are, just one nut shot will do. Whatever you you just said, I look forward to hearing that (laughs) over and over and over. It'll be great. Uh, The Bills will require fans to be vaccinated to attend games this season. They join the Raiders as the only two teams that are requiring vaccinations to attend games.
0: Well... I've been to some pre-games at the Bills and it's a good thing they're all going to be vaccinated because it gets kind of crazy there. That's well that's the part that's confusing to me is the did ownership finally like look out during a pre-game and go, "Oh god, we got to save them from themselves. Say, yeah, from themselves." Is it weird that people Why known as the mafia squirt- must be vaccinated? That's a little strange. <laughs> Why are they squirting mustard <laughs> <laughs> or ketchup on each other?
2: Yeah. I've seen it. Is it okay? Do the Bills and Raiders? Are these the two teams that are requiring vaccinations because they know their <laughs> fans will say whatever it takes? I mean, it's—I don't know if it's that big of a coincidence. I think they—I think there's something to what you just well, said.
0: Yeah, the, the Bills fans will also be the ones who go, "You vaccinated? Oh, okay, yeah. the ownership wants us to be vaccinated." Yeah, exactly. Oh, I will say this—you're right, Mr. Spagnola. Yeah, if you're flipping coins, you're right that you have that for what you said. And then, like Jared said, you have two fan bases who will back the team and whatever they say because they love that their teams that much.
1: Right.
0: I I was at the Raiders game. I think I told you um, there wasn't. I'm telling you, even just walking into the to the media area to the elevator, maybe saw like two masks. Yeah. Don't have to worry. Everybody's to wear them. vaccinated.
2: Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Young boys beat Manchester United and Ronaldo in the Champions League, first game of the group stage in Champions League. Ronaldo did score, but an American, Jordan Sebatsu, who we call PFOC here, scored a 95th minute winner for Young Boys. First off, love that there's a team named Young Boys.
0: Yeah, I'm very confused.
2: Yeah. Uh, they when they named themselves, they were mimicking some team that was called Old Boys. Called themselves it's
1: Young like Boys. Kind of like fake
2: horse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What is it? Um, uh, is Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah. Sheffield United both exist.
0: Um, okay. But you play Sheffield Wednesday on Tuesday.
2: But it's also great that Ronaldo and Manchester United lost to a team named Young Boys and an American scored the game winning goal. Next question. I couldn't want anything <laughs> else in the Champions League game. Next question. Coming up next. We're going to not get an NBA expansion team because they're going to put it in Mexico instead.
0: We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff.
2: Are you ready to lose an NBA team to Mexico City? Lose one? Depends on which one it is. Well, By lose, I mean instead of Vegas getting an expansion team, Mexico City gets one. That wouldn't be good. So Sham Sharnia tweeted yesterday that the NBA is going to have a G League team in Mexico. Uh, it's actually not going to be a new team. They're actually taking a team that's already playing in Mexico, uh, the Mexico City Capitanes. Capitanes, and that's going to be a G League team. They are going to play all their games in the United States this upcoming season, though, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, but in the future, the idea here is that the NBA will have a G League team that is based out of Mexico City. This is probably a bit of a stretch on my end, but I think it's kind of fair to look at it as a little bit of a test run for the NBA in Mexico city, because so yesterday when you left to go get tested for Raiders facility, you abandoned us. Negative. Yeah. You abandoned us. Well, I would hope so. I came in here today. (laughs) (laughs) We talked a little bit about the NBA and expansion because Steve Sisolak said that he talked at them silver about relocation teams and, and how there could be a team in the foreseeable future in Vegas. But part of the conversation is about expansion and how the NBA owners said they didn't want to expand right now. And the reason that NBA owners or NBA owners don't want to expand right now is the way they look at it is that they all get one thirtieth mm-hmm. of the NBA revenue. And if they expand by two teams, yeah, pool shrinks. You get one thirty-second yeah. of all the revenue. You get a smaller percentage of the revenue. So when the NBA expands. They want to expand the teams they add to increase the revenue so that that 132nd of an increased revenue is more than the 130th that they're getting right now. And the problem for, say, Las Vegas is you can make the argument that we wouldn't increase the revenue in the NBA in a substantial way. NBA's already in Vegas. They've already got a pretty good stronghold here because of the summer league. And it's not like the NHL where you would be creating a lot of new fans. Mm-hmm. There's already a lot of NBA fans here. You might create new fans of a certain team, but those people are already watching NBA games, buying NBA merchandise. There would be an increase in revenue, but it might not be enough to offset the NBA owners losing or having a smaller share. So when you're looking at potential cities, the NBA could expand to and which ones would increase the revenue. Mexico City makes so much sense because A, they're in a different country. And Mark Stein wrote a story about this a year or two ago about how Mexico and Mexico City, soccer is king there, right? Obviously. You have Liga MX and you have the right. Mexican national team. Obviously. But after soccer, there's not really a clear number two sport or number two team. And if you put an NBA team in Mexico City, All of a sudden, you're looking at the possibility that the number two, the second biggest uh, team, the second biggest sport in Mexico and in Mexico City is the NBA. And when you look at, like, population-wise, adding Mexico City is like adding a New York or a Los Angeles. There's over 8 million people that live there just in the city limits, right? Like, it's like adding one of the biggest cities we have in the U.S. So, if you're trying, if the NBA owners' goal when they expand is to increase their revenue, Mexico City makes well, so much sense. Isn't it also like we've heard
0: forever that the NFL wants to go to London? Right, it's the for same those kind of reasons yeah. now. I do hope if Mexico City comes in, there's back-to-back on back-to-back nights, Colorado and Mexico City, because you might be tired in the second half yeah, if, the, if you go to Mexico City the night after you go to Colorado. That wouldn't be good for the old lungs. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense to add new revenue and to add new people. And you're right. And people want them to come here. And I know that you can walk into T-Mobile tomorrow and play. We've said that over and over. The, the arena is ready but that's one of the reasons I think Adam Silver has said often we're there for summer league, we're there for USA basketball. They have a WNBA team. There's already a foothold here to where if I own the Pacers, I'm like how much am I really getting out of Vegas? We, you know, we have uh, we're already there in so many ways. I think Mexico City would be great. I I, I do that would be a ton of fans and a much more smaller version. I never knew how uh how this would play. And I actually went over, this is this will make you laugh. I went over a few times to an arena in Tijuana because there were college kids that I covered who played there in the offseason. And yes, much smaller, much smaller uh, you know, sample size here, packed every night. Yeah. Like packed, like and and intelligent, smart, excited basketball fans knew, knew what fouls were, knew what they were. Not that they shouldn't be, you no, know, it's not, it's not the national sport there. Soccer is. So I was actually really impressed. I'm like, man basketball is really well-liked here, and, and and that's obviously a much smaller version than if Mexico City had a team. But it makes all the sense in the world. People in Vegas don't want to hear that, but look, these people are in it for the yeah. money. They're billionaires for a reason.
2: I think for the NFL, the NBA, and probably throw Major League Baseball in there, if any of those leagues expanded to Mexico City, I think that's a massive hit mm-hmm. in that city. I think that's got a chance to be one of the most popular Agreed. teams in the league. Well, like
0: no. you said, look at the populace of right? it. I and
2: mean, and it, it, that's just Mexico City. It's a whole damn country, but... Right if they treat it like Canada treats the Raptors or the Blue Jays or something, you might have a whole country that cheers sure. for one team, which sure. would be unreal. The when, alone. Right. Would, would be unreal when we talk about increasing the revenue. Now there are some problems. The travel, it's not terrible, but it wouldn't be great. Mexico city is obviously much further South than anything else. So the travel wouldn't be ideal. Regardless, it's better than an NFL team in London, mm-hmm. but it's still but not great. And if I remember correctly from Mark Stein's story, that the NBA players had two main concerns one was general safety in Mexico City which they'd probably be able to figure out i assume but the other was air quality that the air oh, quality in Mexico City you know with soccer
0: is, it can be right. horrible
2: so there was a concern of okay like do we actually want to live right. there for an entire season you know or whatever so there're still some concerns that like the players association that people would have with putting a team in Mexico City, but again, if it's all about increasing the revenue, Mexico City blows away any other team in so the U.S. Which one you think gets it first? London
0: football or Mexico City basketball? Because <sighs> I keep thinking it's London football. We've heard a lot more about London getting an NFL yeah, team. Yeah, they than play we have games Mexico. there. They've got all these, all these, yeah. all these regular season games
2: there. But it's so logistically, it's still so difficult. So I would say Mexico City basketball gets one first, just because it's. Logistically, it's so much easier. But, I don't know, are the Jaguars uh, going to move there? Well, he'd be the one,
0: okay. given the, he owns a pretty good soccer team. Um, I just want the question to at, be asked of Coach Gruden. Gruden, it's, it's a short week. Uh, <laughs> you're headed to London. Uh, you played on Monday night. Is this an advantage?
2: <laughs> you had a Monday night game in Vegas. You're, you're scheduled are, to play Thursday in, in London. London. Is this a disadvantage <laughs> because you're going in early? Oh. <laughs> I just it'd be so it'd be a massive money maker for the NFL. It'd just be so logistically difficult to pull it off. Can you imagine? I've been I've been to several of them. The books
0: in London, if they actually had their own team, the the amount of money not that they don't bet a, a, a huge right. amount of money on the NFL as it is. If they had their own team, and now that the NFL has not been hypocritical about things, they're actually you know they're actually joining with sports books and having them as sponsors the money they would make in london if they had their own team would be astronomical. The other thing
2: about london is if you like if you look at soccer in england there's like 5, 6 premier league teams in london based there. Like we're talking about Arsenal, yeah. Chelsea, Tottenham, West Ham, Crystal Palace. Like there's a bunch of premier league teams in london. So that population and the fan bases are all split up across sure. 5 and 6 and probably even more. But what if they had, had one right, NFL team? Right. If there's team. one NFL team, even if only 25% of the people that care about soccer care about the NFL right. in London, it'd be massive. If they all care about one team, yeah, it'd be huge. That's a phenomenal fan yeah. base. So, yeah, and and the same can be said about Mexico City as well. It's I don't know, you you just you look at the NBA and it depends on what their goal is. And I don't I don't think they want to go to 32 just for the sake of going to 32. Right. I think they genuinely sense financially. And there was, there was the possibility that because of the pandemic, it would make sense financially because there is an expansion fee and owners might say, well, we didn't make as much money over the last two seasons. Let's expand, get that expansion fee. And that'll quote, you know, make up for what they didn't make, but they elected not to do that. So that pushes it down the road and that pushes it to a, okay, okay. What city do we expand to increases our revenue? And I don't think Las Vegas does that. I think Las Vegas's best shot is if a Minnesota Timberwolf or a New Orleans Pelicans oh, team here. relocates. Right. I think that's right. going to end up being our best shot because the NBA is going to look at, hey, what city will right. help us out the most? And I, I just don't think Vegas adds enough as an expansion city to increasing the revenue. Seattle, I, don't, I honestly don't think Seattle does either. Like, but no. I, if here, the thing with is, if you're going to add Mexico City, you probably need to add a second team, and you might. Well, be Seattle
0: always that. seems like the the heartstrings one where right. they're going to get the next one. They took their team from them. I mean, how much more does Seattle? Offer financially than Vegas. I'm not so sure because you're gonna get the same things up there. You're gonna get basketball fans who've always been basketball fans, and if they want to go, they'll go.
2: Yeah, not much. I think Seattle and Vegas are kind of in the same situation. Just Seattle, maybe a little bit ahead because they feel bad because they're yeah because they feel bad of them because
0: they ripped their team out of their city.
2: Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show.
0: He plays the fiddle and is friends with Sarah Spain. And you are not. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Wait, Jason, I think Ed's mad at you? I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bummed. The kid, the kid was in town. I, I understand he might have been in the press box. Not even a hello. Look,
1: uh, I was in town, yes. <laughs> and uh, it was it was quick in and out. You know, there, there are certain times right. where the Raiders say, you know, hey, well, you know, is there a game you want to go to? And uh, they, I'm doing some podcasts for them. And they're like, you want to come out to a game? And, you know, in that situation, I think everybody throws out the Hail Mary and says, well, how about, you know, the first one? And they say, yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize, day of that that means that you're actually going to be in the press box, which is not the right place for me to be. And we all know that professionally. And uh, I, I'm sorry I didn't see it, but I can tell you, you heard me, because in the first half there was definitely a time that I yelled uh, a word that is not family-friendly followed by yes at the top of my lungs. And I just look as everybody and Steve Weiss from the NFL Network was sitting directly behind me, and he just tipped the hat to me. So I, uh, I tweeted him an apology. Later, he DM me and said it was the most fun he's had in press box in a long time. So I finally realized about midway through the first quarter that my uh, my responsibilities in the press box were not going to go well. So I, it, I was walking around the stadium at that point, just having a good time. By the time we finished, I ended up in the Twitch lounge, just forcing dog. my way towards the uh, towards the end zone where the magical ending happened
0: look at you that's nice you said bleep yeah to that interception that's 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 (laughs) cannot believe that what'd you think of the donuts uh the
1: the donuts might have been you know of all the things that i sent my my crew back in connecticut it was immediately the donuts that made me giddy like a child, and I had to immediately text (laughs) Michael Lick Jr., who was like, how am I not your plus one right now? And he hasn't spoken to me since. He was very angry (laughs) that he didn't get to to partake in that donut spread. And what was amazing in the press box, not that anybody that doesn't get to go to the press box cares about it, but, like, there was a line on one side for, like, actual food, but you could walk right up and get a hot dog on the other side. So I was that guy, that I'm like, all right, I'll get a hot dog from over here. I'll walk over to the excuse me and then just, pop myself a couple of donuts. So that's all the food I need. Like I I didn't need the fancy stuff.
2: Uh, You've seen a lot of bad or stupid Raider games. Was that the dumbest?
1: It was the weirdest. Um, (laughs) It it was uh, Here's like, so let me oversimplify for a second. But you know, years ago, a buddy of mine said, good teams find a way to win, bad teams find a way to lose. I've watched the Raiders for a lot of years, find a way to lose. And that's just, we all have like every Raiders fan knows that logic Uh, in the, in overtime. After the false start penalty and then the interception, I legit was having like a conversation with myself about, hey, the memory of being in Vegas for the first game is more important than the outcome. Like you're trying to walk yourself off the ledge at that point. So uh, I've seen a lot of games where the Raiders do some dumb things or play some, some questionable play calling, all of those things. I don't usually see them win that game, so it's glossed over the fact that the coaching staff had no idea whether they wanted to kick a field goal or try and continue to run time off the clock, which at the end was maybe the most <laughs> maddening portion of it that everybody's just forgotten about.
0: I mean, can you I mean they won, so I know you're you're happy about that, but can you even evaluate from beginning to end what you saw on this team, what you expected to see in this team?
1: Yeah, so I do think there's some takeaways and you know, I think there's the first half to me was a lot about the decision by the staff to not play many starters. And, and realistically, you're taking a calculated risk. I talked to Sarah last night about this on Spain and Fifth. I think what, what hit me in week one, not just for the Raiders, but for several teams is you've got two choices. You can put guys out there and put them at risk in the preseason. No coach seems to want to do that. If you choose not to do that, then the question is how long does it take for your team to get some rhythm? But the fact is we've seen when Derek Carr is having an off day in the past, he typically throws the ball high or behind. He was doing both in the first half of this game as he was high and behind. And usually Waller can save him. But Waller also, frankly, had a very off first half. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought it was really weird to see two two guys that this offense can rely on, uh, both having games where they couldn't be relied on. And the problem was uh, by formation and by game plan, it's not like Carr ever looked anywhere else. It was sort of like, oh, he's a shooter, so we'll shoot him out of this. And, that's a difficult thing to do sometimes. So uh, I thought it was interesting that it took him a little over half to get any sync and rhythm. But, guys, I think the other interesting thing, if you even go back and watch the game, is how much, how often on long distance, second long third long, this team lines up with two tight ends. I mean, I, I understand how great <laughs> Darren Waller is, and I understand the expectations of Foster Moreau. I don't know a lot of teams <laughs> in the NFL that are going to go that sort of offense. Uh, it's certain 10 and I got two tight ends and a running back flexed out, there are wide receivers on this roster. Why are none of them worth putting in the game? Okay. Let me, let me
2: ask you about Brian Edwards. Had the Ravens been able to run the clock out and kick the field goal with like three seconds left instead of 40 seconds left, Brian Edwards would have finished that game with zero catches, but he made two big catches to get him in a field goal range in the fourth quarter. Then obviously had the big one that he almost scored on and ended up as the second leading receiver on the team for the Raiders. Are you more optimistic about Edwards after that game or less optimistic about Edwards after that game?
1: I'm less optimistic about the wide receiving group as a whole, and including Edwards. But, I mean, in, in the first drive, Carr had rugs. The whole stadium saw it. You, there was a collective groan from the fact that, you know, Carr couldn't find rugs wide open for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It felt like after that play, there was a, an hour of real time where Carr just wasn't going to look for a wide receiver. Several of those passes that we've looked at over and over and over again to Waller, there were other guys that were pretty staggeringly open, you know, and I know that Raiders fans hate the check down mentality, and I'm not even talking about check downs, but there were a lot of four and five yard outs that were there. I don't know why it felt like Carr was really uncomfortable throwing anything on an out pattern, anything towards the sideline. And there were times it felt like he just wasn't, whether whether it was the pressure of the new offensive line wasn't willing to even look like he was, he was keyed on one or two guys on every route. And it, and that was it. And, you know, frankly, that just, it, I don't know if that works. And there was so much miscommunication. It, the formation stuff really hit me. Like I don't feel like coaching staff trust the wide receivers on the team.
0: Denzel good out for the season. Incognito may be back, but that rebuild offensive line, uh, James Leatherwood struggled a lot. Are you worried there or do you think in time it gets better?
1: I think in time, uh, like, Leatherwood struggled, Leatherwood also had flashes, which I think is what we're going to see all year. So, you know, remembering that Colton Miller certainly wasn't a godsend in his first year, right? And so uh, Leatherwood had a couple of plays where he just bear-hugged somebody, and that person was gone. Like, you just couldn't physically see them on the field anymore. He's a massive man. Uh, The problem is this Raiders team struggled to run the football, which we're giving the Ravens defense a lot of credit for. I agree with that. But also there is nowhere, there was nowhere for Josh Jacobs to really run. There was nowhere for Kenyon Drake to get into. So uh, if this offensive line can't do either well, run, block, or pass block, how are they going to set up anything? Or is this a team that now feels like it's going to have to throw the ball 60 times to win? I mean, the running game was supposed to be the easier thing for the line to get right, uh, get good at quickly, and that, like, realistically just didn't happen, right? So, uh, and Denzel Good being out for the year is is a big loss, and you know, I know that everybody says next man up, but uh, I've got three or four friends that I trust that watch offensive linemen, and I've gone to all of them this week and said, "Hey, what should we expect from the new guy?" And every one of them has come back and said, "I have no idea." So, you know, I got I got big guys watching tapes to try and help me figure out what to see, but like, I, I just think we need to understand and we we undervalued. I think a lot of fans that you could just plug and play anybody because it's not even just that we, we've had more decimation; it's that. There were some holding penalties that were bad. There was a stat miscommunication that was dumb. And Calais Campbell actually sat down and said, Mr. James, I'd like to take you to lunch and we're going to eat over here. (laughs) I mean, that all happened. And it's okay to say, hey, maybe it'll get better throughout the year. But we also got to be honest with each other and admit that in the first game, there was a step back by adding different personnel. Uh,
2: Do you want to ask about college football? The USC job is open. Urban Meyer, Matt Campbell, James Franklin. Who do you think ends up being USC's next head coach?
1: Well, I think Campbell's the, the hot name, so this becomes easy, interesting to me. Urban Meyer, I, I don't think he's going anywhere because then he'd have to admit that he you know, couldn't succeed in the NFL without even trying. That doesn't feel like it, it makes a lot of sense to me. So, uh, But Campbell's the interesting one because he is the darling. If you talk to 80s across the country, they, everybody thinks he's the next in line to get a massive job. The question is, is that the massive job he wants? You know, This, this is where uh, these guys, we always talk about search firms. Well, Coaches are aware of who's on hot seats, too. And so if you're Campbell, do you want to sit back and see if something like Michigan does come open? Do you want to sit back and see what your biggest opportunity can be? But USC is still a high-profile job. I think Campbell would be a good pitch there if they're willing to go outside of the norm of who played there. you know. But uh, a, a name Vegas Raiders fans know well. like I, I, I think Jack Del Rio is going to try and put his name in that hunt, too. I mean, Jack, being a USC guy that always wanted to remain a head coach and now defensive coordinator, in Washington, so the question is, are they going to force themselves to look at outside candidates? Because I think they should. And guys, in, in a name image like this, world and in, in California and USC, like let's not get it twisted. That still has the potential to be a top notch job. It's just not right now.
0: Uh, we had a name pop up this morning: Eric B. Enemy, L.A. guy. Seems like he can't get a head job for whatever reason in the NFL. Our feeling is Eric B. would jump right away at that job.
1: Yeah, Eric B. I mean, I think that's the right thing. Sometimes they say. You know, even in, in media, like at ESPN, sometimes if you want to be the biggest star in the world at ESPN, sometimes you got to leave ESPN and then come back. Like Stephen A. Smith left ESPN and then came back. There are coaches that want the opportunity to be head coaches that just can't get it, and Eric Bieniemy is probably at the top of the most questionable list for that. So Bieniemy going to USC as a head coach now takes him away from anything he's done. Kansas City allows him to assert his own legacy. I mean, it makes sense for all of those reasons, and he would certainly jump, I would think. It's just a big, for, for anybody that doesn't know USC and also anybody that's not living in college football, I don't know that everybody knows how much more work there is for college football coaches. So for the I think he'd have to really decide he wants to commit because the number one thing they're going to use against him in recruiting is, hey, he's only going to be here for a year or two because he's using this job is a stepping stone back to the nfl so you know even being an la guy i think he'd have to really sell people on i'm here and i'm here to stay and you know every year i think the enemy is going to be next in line to be a great nfl head coach hell i, I if gruden ever leaves the enemy would be who i i think the raiders should hire
2: is your dog better than you at picking games
1: I'm better than everybody undefeated. Come on now. <laughs> Two uh, you know, and oh. and now I've gotten I've gotten smart. i week one I really felt like I could take the Georgia pick and I didn't have the you know what to do it, so I didn't do it. Last week I was like, Yep, Annabelle's gonna take Iowa because I had uh, filmed the video before one of my pick shows. Like Annabelle took Iowa, I'm gonna steal from my dog. So just to be clear, I'm now stealing from a dog on my game day. Basis. That's where I am and I've had several people tweet me, When is she gonna start picking Raiders games? Well I don't want to have that discussion with her when she picks against my beloved Raiders. I don't think that that would go well for either of us. So the answer to that is never.
2: I think she'd pick the Steelers ball this week.
1: I Not if she wants to eat. What am I
2: <laughs> well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jason.
1: Hey, next time I'm in town, it'll be longer. and We'll all have a drink. That would be yes, fun.
0: absolutely. Jared will pay. <laughs> so <laughs> no. we're having waters all right <laughs> see ya thanks Jason take care man the
2: dog picks yeah he throws two two balls, balls with the logos, with the logos the on names? them and the dog brings one back and uh, the video he tweeted out of Iowa Iowa State he threw them and the dog kept running back and forth before picking one up and finally chose one Iowa. and back yeah with Iowa so what was the second game the Raiders no, no the first one he did Georgia Clemson okay and then right. week two he did Iowa Iowa State and the dog picked up Georgia yeah georgia wow. and iowa so the dog is 2-0 and wow. at picking games coming up next urban meyer has killed off all the
1: speculation
2: that he'll go to usc
0: is tyler a know-it-all can you prove him wrong tweet at bischoff underscore tyler and at ed grainy
2: this is the greatest thing that can happen for us and because it is a reflection on what these guys have done on the football field so there are some great things about if that's if that's What's being talked about has nothing to do with me. It has to do with what Desmond Ritter and Maje Sanders and Ahmad
0: Gardner and those guys have done to put our program in a light. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las
2: Vegas studios. Here's a tweet from Ian Rappaport. Jaguars coach Urban Meyer answers a question about USC speculation now that the job is open. Quote, no chance I'm committed to here and building an organization online to
0: the modern day head coach where he'll ask about every player who has not signed. <laughs> Come on. This is, I mean, look, it might be true. And I do, I don't think he's leaving. I don't think he'd admit that he failed, but we have seen it from very high level, <laughs> high profile guys before it's like, there's no way I'm going to be that coach press conference at three. We're introducing Nick Saban as the Alabama coach.
2: No chance. Yeah. I'm committed to here and building an organization. Uh,
0: he's probably right. It's just that I think nobody listens to that statement and absolutely says, okay, it's over. Right. No, nobody right. nobody does.
2: Nobody's saying Urban Meyer is definitely staying right. in Jacksonville no. because he said he was committed to building an organization. Was. All right. <laughs> so there's Urban Meyer and USC. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, but Ed doesn't think he'll go. I think there's no. a chance he goes. There's a slight chance. Um, all right. I do need to ask you this. UAB. They played Georgia over the weekend. They got blown out by Georgia. But we have seen most teams across college football now come up with some sort of prop for when their defense gets a turnover to celebrate with. UAB has a turnover dragon skull. (laughs) Like this thing is massive. And when they get a turnover, they apparently run over and pull out the turnover dragon skull. Now, they are the UAB Blazers. Their like, mascot is a dragon. Okay. So that's sort that of. That makes sense. I, I think that's where that comes from, even though that is suggesting, hey, a dragon has died, which I imagine is not a good thing when you are the dragons or kind of like the dragons. But that's where I'm assuming it comes from. But here's the real question because we saw this happen with Miami and when they got blown out by Alabama. UAB got a turnover when they were down 56 to 7 to Georgia oh. and they ran over and celebrated with it. So if you are a college football team, you are getting beat by four or five touchdowns. Your defense forces a turnover. You have a turnover prop, and it could be as cool as a dragon skull. Should you be busting oh. out the turnover prop? Should you and OV players put on the
0: Hay-Reb head after a turnover?
2: <laughs> Who's Hay-Reb? Uh, yeah,
0: well, that's him. Uh, yeah, they're bringing it <laughs> yeah, back. Who? That's they're bringing it back. Um that's a tough one that's uh the late great junior say I was celebrating a sack when they're down 30 and everyone's like junior you're like down 30 remember that yep I mean junior would celebrate anything no matter what the score was so I if it's as cool as a dragon skull like yes if it's something dumb then as I'm saying a dragon skull is really cool then no I'll I'll base everything on what is your Prize or whatever you want to call it for getting a turnover, right? I mean, if it's something like plane, it's like yeah, it's stupid. But the dragon, I'm looking at it right now. It's the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Now that's pretty cool, right? It's that's pretty cool. It
2: looks like a legitimate dragon and skull.
0: The best is, sorry, Jared, I just threw the microphone. The best is there's the skull. He looks very happy, and right at the bottom is a scroll. Georgia fifty six, <laughs> UAB seven. Like it actually shows the score.
2: I think it's got to be the context of your team. So if, so if you, you stink. Wait, so, like, take UNLV as an example. If they're down by 28. I, I'd rather not. <laughs> if they're down by 28 to Iowa State. They, okay, so and, believable. <laughs> and Noel Williams picks off a pass in the third right. quarter. I don't know if they still have the Chucky doll. They used to have it under Tony Sanchez. I, assume, I They might not have had a turnover last year, so I don't know. But if they pick off a pass and Noel Williams runs over there and pulls out whatever the turnover prop is, I'm okay with that because you're down 28. The spread's 31. Like It's not like you're some massive disappointment. Now, if let's say you have two teams in the power conference, like let's say like Ole Miss is playing LSU or something, and it's like a five-point spread, and Ole Miss is down by 42 points, you don't go over and pull right. out your turnover prop when you're getting blown out in a game you were supposed to be in. So I'm okay with it if it's, say, UNLV or UAB, and you're getting blown out by a power conference team. You're like... Yeah, okay, whatever. Celebrate. you got to turn over against the Power Conference team. If it's, like, two evenly matched teams and you're getting blown out, no. What if UNLVs are some really cool sunglasses
0: so you can be <laughs> sunglasses indoor guy <laughs> and you'd run to the sideline and you'd take off your helmet and put on really cool sunglasses so you'd be that? Wow. That'd be kind of cool. Sunglasses I'd in Allegiant like Stadium. Sundown, sunglasses indoor guy, yeah. Um, okay, I'm completely with you on that. I. It has to be who you are, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I just want to see one time, which will never happen, Alabama being blown out and some kid <laughs> running to the sideline past Saban and putting on some huge headdress or something. Cause he got like an interception. That would be the all time. I'd love to see Saban's response to that.
2: Alabama's down 21. You in the fourth the, quarter? And he runs past Saban. Where's my prize? <laughs> Oh, I'm all on board for it. No, that would that'd be, be great, phenomenal. So problem is they'll never be down twenty. Right, so we'll that, is, that is the real <laughs> issue. They'll never be down twenty one points, so we won't get to see that. Every Alabama turnover actually Matt, Well, they're up by forty two sometimes, so it doesn't matter. Sure. does Alabama get to do it when they're up forty two? I don't think those guys get a talk. That's true. They don't have a turnover. <laughs> they have a turn- no, they're not they're allowed ex- to speak. They're expected to get five yes, a game. You're get not get allowed a to trophy celebrate trophy one at the end of the year. <laughs> That's <laughs> their exactly. problem. They get a nice trophy. They run over and grab the national championship trophies from the past. If he allows it. (laughs) That's their prop. Yeah. So yeah, Alabama, maybe not. UNLV, absolutely. Get a turnover prop in there when getting blown out.